but there is a lot, and there's like very specifically three sections of this text as I was reviewing it. Um, the good news this morning is that God's kingdom goes ahead of you and is breaking into all areas of your life, even where you least expect. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am a realtor. I live down in the Fountain Square area on the southeast side of downtown. I've been working as a realtor for about two and a half years now. And uh, being a realtor, basically, sometimes depending on how you table it, can sound like semi-glamorous. There's a lot of real estate shows on television. But essentially, I work in the service industry. That's what I do. Um, and from time to time in the service industry, you have difficult clients. Uh, and it's just you're working with people every day. So there's a lot of interesting personalities. People have different anxieties and needs that really come to the fore when you're talking about these big life decisions about buying or selling a house. And so it's a really uh, unique position that I'm in to actually get to walk through those situations with people. A few months back, I had a client that I picked up. Actually, he had a contract with another real estate broker at my firm at Nottingham. And uh, after a couple of weeks with that other realtor, things had really broken down and he didn't want to work with that guy anymore. Uh, and so through that, he still wanted to like honor his contract with our brokerage, but he didn't want to work with this individual guy. And so I was actually just starting out at the time, basically. And so they asked me if I would take this, this guy on as a client. And uh, I knew that it was going to be potentially a difficult guy to work with. But uh, at the time I was like, sure, why not? I mean, I don't have this business, so I might as well take a shot at it, even though I was kind of aware that this guy might be really difficult to work with. Um, long story short, I had this listing for like two weeks before the contract was going to expire, and in that time, I actually managed to get myself fired by this guy. Um, <laughs> he, he, I mean, very simply, he asked me to give him a report of, of the showings of everybody that had seen the property, and so I emailed that to him, and he really thought that I knew that he wanted a physical piece of paper with the details of that on it and just could not get over the fact that I emailed him the information instead of bringing him a physical copy. So he fired me. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, I wasn't too bummed out about it. It was kind of like, well, I took a shot at it. It's not personal. It doesn't really bother me. But uh, come to find out about a week and a half later, somebody that had shown the property while I was listing it, they wrote an offer. And so I don't want to get too into the weeds, but in real estate, the way that it works is because they saw it while I had it listed, technically they're supposed to work with me as the agent. And so this guy's fired me, but we're kind of forced to work together legally if we so choose, if I decide that I can, can navigate this with the guy. And so again, just starting out, I'll take a shot at it. Why not? <laughs> and so I decided that I was going to work with him. Uh, we kind of talked through, you know, the fact that there was a miscommunication at the front end and that he got angry at me and I wasn't trying to upset him. I don't think he really believed me, but I tried my best to navigate this on the front end because I knew we're going to have about 45 days together and things were potentially going to get difficult again. Um, so a couple weeks later, you know, we're still going through inspection. Uh, we've got the negotiations with that. We've got to get the property appraised. So we're still just kind of going through that. This like 10 or 11 days after this contract came in, I was with another client of mine showing houses, and I get a call from client A. His name's Tim. And Tim calls, and you know, of course, I'm out on a showing with a client, so I'm not going to answer the phone. Uh, he leaves a voicemail. I'm like, okay, after these showings, I'm going to have to check this voicemail and get back, get back to Tim. 
uh, he calls me again, like, immediately after leaving a voicemail. He leaves another voicemail. And then he calls, he's, like, sending me these angry texts. And so I'm like, sorry, I have to step outside. I'm going to have to call this guy. And so I called Tim. He was just, I mean, he was irate. He was fuming mad. He thought, you know, I wasn't doing my job, that I was actually actively trying to avoid talking to him. And so he was just reading me the riot act. In fact, I've saved those, I still have those voicemails, just like to remember where I've come from, <laughs> what I've been through. Uh, but yeah, those are still on my phone, and uh, I like to go back every now and then and, and reference those. But super difficult, super difficult conversation. Uh, I mean, this is how relationships go sometimes. People have assumptions of what they're expecting from you, and you have assumptions about what they should be expecting from you. Uh, Sometimes we just kind of opt out of these relationships, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. In this specific situation, because my uh, well-being and financial income is tied to working with Tim, it's not so simple. So we are kind of forced to move forward with navigating this. So I got these angry voicemails. I talked to him on the phone. I got his angry texts cursing me out for not answering while I was on the showing. And I'm like, man... We have got to talk about this because I cannot live like this for the next 30 days. This guy can't keep doing this. <laughs> this kind of made me realize the way that this situation ended up playing out that a lot of times I look at my life as being something that God is a part of. He kind of manages like the high level stuff and then he's kind of given me the authority to just like my responsibility is the day-to-day -day operations. <laughs> You know, and as long as the day-to-day -day operations don't really impact the big picture stuff, God's really not involved, right? Like, I've chosen to do this job. I have to have a job to make money. You know, high level, God wants me to, like, thrive. But day-to-day, uh, -day, whatever. Just do what you got to do to get the job done. <laughs> have you ever felt like part of your life was too small to concern God? Or maybe, maybe not too small, maybe just too mundane, just too much normal life? to take to God, to, to look for God to be a part of a situation. I think sometimes in a situation like this, what's revealed to us is that the bad news is actually not that something actively bad happened, right? We just, we sometimes are, become aware that our expectation in certain areas of our life is for God not to be present or for God not to show up. And it, it's tough for us to realize this. Like it has to play out a certain way for us to be like, oh wow, I just assume God's not involved in this on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, I don't wake up on Monday morning like, well, Sunday was good, but now I'm going to work. So I'll let God know how the day goes, and as long as there's nothing major, maybe he won't have to get involved. <laughs> I think a lot of times we think, sure, God wants to save our souls. You know, the afterlife is really important, but we just got to do our best while we're here on earth, right? We got to go, go through this day-to-day -day and do our best, and that can play out in a multitude of ways. It can be in our, our relationships with others, in our marriage. It can be in relationship with our parents or our kids or our neighbors. It can be in our sense of vocation or our career, decisions with money. A lot of times we just think of these as things that we need to manage that God isn't actively concerned with unless they threaten or impact the big picture. So starting at the, at the top of the text in 1 John, again, there's like three good news proclamations in here, but we're going to stick with just one. So it starts off and it says, it's a little bit circular almost if you look at it. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. 
Okay. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. So it's a little bit circular almost. It's driving home this point that God's people love each other. They love God and they, they, they do what they're supposed to do. They, they do follow his commands. Um, as, if you've been here the past couple of weeks as we've been going through 1 John, there's a lot of love going on, right? His commands are to love one another. Even in our, our, our section of scripture from John 15 today, his commands are to love each other. And so even, even that love command, right? Like we still sometimes can feel that it's burdensome. It's hard for us to navigate what that means to think that his commands aren't burdensome. But Jesus says that the whole, the whole law is summed up in these two love commands, to love God and to love people. This doesn't mean that loving others is always easy or that it's just a feeling that we have, like you wake up and you're just in love with your neighbor or that you never get upset with your parents or your daughter or your son. But love, love takes work, but it's not a burden in that he's just not leveled us with this list of all these do's and do nots. He's just empowered us. J- John 15 says, we're not servants, but friends. So he's kind of led us in on his mission to conquer the world with love. He's invited us into that active love. And, and that's good news, that this love, this love command is not burdensome, but we've been invited into this mission to conquer the world with love as partners, as friends. And then in, first, in verse 4, it goes on to say that everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So this is the second aspect of that good news where I said there was three, right? So everyone born of God overcomes the world. John here isn't talking about the whole physical world. He's talking about the system of the world. This world is built on a system that, uh, that runs on antagonism. You only know who you are because you know what you're against and what you're for. You're either in or you're out. There's a lot of we other people all the time instead of one anothering them as brothers and sisters. The world system tries to conquer through violence, but going back to the top of 1 John here, 1 John 5, God is seeking to conquer the world with love. So even, even if we're not trying to, to win in our relationships through physical violence, sometimes we use relational violence, or most frequently probably it manifests for me in trying to conquer the world through rightness, but God is trying to conquer the world. He's overcoming the world with love, and he's inviting us into that as servants, as friends, not as servants, but as friends. So this core, this core good news today is that God's kingdom goes ahead of you and is breaking into all areas of your life, even when you least expect it. And so that takes us to the end of our section of Scripture today, starting off with verse 6. And this is kind of like setting the table. This is the, the playing field for this big this big major vision that God's given us, this big good news of being invited to conquer the world with him, with love. So verse 6 says, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. It is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. So to really understand this last verse and, and get where John is coming from, there is a, uh, a group of people, the, the Docetists or Docetists at the time, that were basically claiming that, that Jesus wasn't really human. He was divine, but he wasn't human, right? And so you can kind of get into like these theological debates and get really into the weeds and try to split hairs on, on what the impact is. And sometimes it seems like it could potentially be semantics. But this, this claim, right, that Jesus wasn't human really negates or undercuts a lot of the work that he did here on earth. In fact, 
that can lead us to have this vision of just looking to the future of an eventual salvation. But it robs us of, of seeing God's salvation break through in our life today. It robs us of being able to see his kingdom breaking into the mundane, the little, the small parts of our life today. So verse 6, it says that Jesus came through by water and blood. So it's Jesus's human and divine natures that are being referenced here. There's a couple of different views of what the water and blood actually represent. They all point in the same direction, so I don't feel the need to exclude any of them. I think they're all good. (laughs) Water and blood came from Jesus's side when he was speared while he was on the cross which to me is, it couldn't be a clear indication that it's pointing to his, his authentic humanity. What he did on the cross was a physical act. It, it happened. It's a historical act. It wasn't a metaphor for his love for us. It's something that really happened. He came physically as the Son of God on earth and lived a human life. Water and blood are both present at birth. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know if we need to get too much into that. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it PG-13. For We've got the older kids with it. No. Uh, water, so it's water and blood. Water was, some, some theologians think that water is referring to Jesus' baptism. And because that, that event is when Jesus was publicly declared to be the Son of God, and that is kind of the commissioning of the beginning of his ministry, right? And then the blood, on the other hand, refers to his suffering on the cross, his humanity. So, Whichever metaphor you prefer, I like to put them all together. I don't think it has to be either or. They're all pointing to the fact that Jesus was fully divine and he was fully human. If he, he went through something that was painful, it wasn't just a metaphor. It's not just something that we can read through, but it's something that he really experienced because the kingdom of God really came into the world. Jesus brings God reality, God's kingdom, into our real lives God's kingdom is breaking through in our real lives. In, in the nitty-gritty, the boring, the hard parts, the parts that we think we can just handle on our own, God's kingdom is breaking through actively. So Acts 10, we see the, the Spirit fall in the section of Scripture we read from Acts 10 today. The Spirit is coming, and actually the Scripture says that the, the circumcised believers were shocked to see that the Spirit had fallen on the uncircumcised believers. And to me, this, this is so amazing because... It has, they're shocked at what the Spirit of God is doing. I think a lot of times we think, like, again, God's got these high-level things. We've got the day-to-day. We have to come up with a construction or a plan or an idea of how to get the Spirit of God to move. We have to manufacture God's move. But in reality, God's Spirit is going ahead of us. God's mission is ongoing. We're not the catalyst for God's mission. He was the first to move, and he's the first to move in your life today, even in the areas that you don't know that he's moving. John 15, Jesus calls the disciples friends, no longer servants. And again, he's inviting them into God's mission. That's ongoing. God's mission is already ongoing. He's inviting them in as friends to serve in this love mission to conquer the world. It's an active mission that we get to participate in. We're not responsible for starting it. God is moving in our lives. He's moving in the real world. Earth, this life, is the context for God's mission and his salvation. Real life is the context for the inbreaking of God's kingdom. And God is calling us to be people marked by love even in the mundane parts of our life, even in the little tiny parts, the normal parts that sometimes we think we can handle on our own. God's calling us into his mission in those parts of our life. God's kingdom goes ahead of you and it's breaking into all areas of your life, even where you least expect. So this client, Tim, I'm kind of forced to continue the relationship, right? Like, I need to seek reconciliation because, like, I need to get paid. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, honestly, in this, in this specific situation, I cannot take any credit for this because I would not have pursued reconciliation with him other than the fact that this was purely my job. I mean, this guy, I thought he hated me. What ended up happening is I, I left, you know, I'm on these showings, he called me, and I know this guy's just super angry. I mean, he has a totally unrealistic expectation for what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, I don't want to be, <laughs> he's not here to defend himself, but basically at this point I'm like, this guy's crazy. Like, I can't do anything about that. That's just what I'm thinking. So Tim and I get together at his house. He lives right around the corner from my house, which maybe adds a dimension of interest. Uh, <laughs> So we get together at his house across the table from one another. We're just having a normal meeting about the, the specifics of the deal. You know, we're responding to a negotiation from the buyers. And uh, my phone rings while we're there, but I don't answer it. It rings again. It rings three or four times while we're sitting there talking. And then once we finish our normal conversation, I just say, Tim, I'm not sure how you're going to take this, but I feel like it's something that we need to talk about. The other day you called me and you were cursing me out and you were demanding that I answer the phone no matter what I'm doing. Um, it's just a, it's something that's not possible. I said, while I've been sitting here with you today, my phone has rang three times. Can you imagine what it, how rude it would be for me just to tell you to hold on while I'm sitting at your table and I took these phone calls? I would never do that to you. And that's why I can't do it to my other clients. I have responsibilities outside of this relationship here. Now, again... I'm not the hero of this story. I needed to do this so I could, we could have a working relationship and I wouldn't be miserable. But what happened in this, in this situation was that God's kingdom broke free. So Tim, instead of just saying like, okay, like I, I understand, like logically I get it. Like you can't answer the phone while you're with people. Tim just starts confessing to me that he's a recovering alcoholic and he's been sober for several years. And like, we don't have any relationship at this point really other than the fact that I took over this listing. I mean, we didn't even know each other. But he's sharing with me that he's a recovering alcoholic and that he's got all these hurts in his life, relational hurts, because he really doesn't know how to relate to people in this way. Now, he's, the end of the story wasn't that he's just now like fully self-aware and was totally reasonable from then on out, but he and I had a relationship from then on out. In fact, I, I debated whether or not to bring this up in the sermon because it seems a little bit weird, but I am talking about work. So <laughs> this guy fired me, right? Then he cursed me out. Then we had this breakthrough because the kingdom of God broke through, not because of anything I did, just because we, were, we had space open to have a conversation with each other. And then at the end of this, this guy, I've never received any type of tip doing real estate. This guy gave me like a few hundred bucks on top of my commission just because like we had a relationship. And I was like, uh, you don't have to do that. Like, I don't even know. Like, at first, I didn't know if it was legal or what. <laughs> but he's like, no, I want you to have it. It's like, oh, Okay. <laughs> So yeah, if you uh, allow the kingdom of God to break through, you can make money. No. <laughs> can we edit that out of the, the recording? <laughs> Just joking. God's speaking to us this morning. There's no God-forsaken part of your life. No matter how small, no matter how boring, no matter how dark or how lonely it is, there's no area of your life that's God-forsaken. God the context for God's salvation is real life. It's the real world. It's today. It's not in the future. It's not in heaven someday. It's in your relationships today, the hard ones. The good ones, the hard ones, the ones you don't even know are maybe hard for somebody else. God is working. His mission is ongoing, and he's inviting us into it. He's calling us to join him in his mission to conquer the world, not through antagonism, not through violence, not through rightness, but through love. 
We're not the catalyst. We're not responsible for, for starting God's mission, for going in and manipulating and creating some maneuver that will allow the kingdom to break free. The kingdom is breaking into the real world, and God is inviting us into that mission with him. Not as servants, but as friends. Where do you need to be reminded that God is present and at work in your life today? Is it at home? Is it at work, at school? Is it uh, in your marriage or in your singleness? Is it your own personal growth, the goals that you have for yourself this year or for your five-year plan? Is it your schoolwork? God's kingdom is going ahead of you. It goes ahead of you and is breaking into all areas of your life, even where you least expect. Let's take a moment to just reflect together quietly, and then we have a, a responsive prayer in our booklets. And after just a moment of reflection, I'll lead us, but feel free to pray out where, where you feel like God is showing you that you need to be reminded that he's present, that he's already at work in your life that he's inviting you to join in his love mission with him.